Hello and welcome to the Change the Conversation podcast. Glad to have you listening. Glad to be here. My name is Jordan Lawson. I'm here with Robbie White, Sam Hawkins, and Melinda Sparks. Say hello, everybody. Hello. <laughs> hello. Glad to be here. Hello. Y'all are a little better at that than last week. <laughs> <laughs> we were getting ten- better every time. Ten- yeah, yeah. Tentative last you're, week. You're learning. You're learning. <laughs> um, so, speaking of last time we recorded, we um, we were a little we were a little hellish. I. Uh, <laughs> Um, decided to call the episode Go to Church or the Devil Will Get You after my favorite road Great. sign. Great. Um, yes. <laughs> so this week we, we thought we'd flip that. Um, assuming you do go to church and the devil does not get you, um, where will you where will you be? So we were uh, we were in the bad place last week. Let's uh, let's talk about the good place this week. So <laughs> where do we, where do you want to begin? Uh, the you, can we be, let's begin with the let's begin with Jesus. How's that? How's how's uh, starting to talk about uh, eternity, heaven, uh, from Jesus and the teaching on the kingdom? See, I I I, I grew up thinking that when you mention the kingdom of heaven, that you're talking about this faraway place out beyond the clouds. That. Uh, you, I guess, would float to uh, after you died, and that that was the that was my understanding. It wasn't until uh, I began to really, as an adult, begin to read and, and begin to think through what Jesus taught about the kingdom and about the idea that there's this age and and the age that is to come, and and the beautiful thing that that I love about uh, that teaching of Jesus. Is that Jesus isn't willing to uh, separate the two? We tend to separate our understanding of time and eternity. We we separate our, you know, there's here and then there's heaven, and and though things aren't where they should be here, we all know that when you get to heaven, it's going to be just right. But Jesus uh, was not willing to separate the two. One was always breaking into the other. There's this age, this present age. Where there is there is struggle and there are difficulties and there is pain and suffering and evil, but it doesn't define the the reality, the totality of reality, because there's always the age uh, that is to come, and that age has already begun to break into this age. So now there's this collapsing, this colliding of two ages that come together, and because Jesus is ushering in this new age, this. And I I think Paul sort of picks that up, too. I think his understanding of the resurrection was shaped in some ways that way, that, you know, if we are buried with Christ, Paul used that baptismal language, if we're buried with Christ, then we're also raised uh, with Christ. Well, one of the ways I think think there is in that understanding this— there's not this separation that we tend to do. I think on the whole, we still in the church tend to separate the two, that there's there's here, now, and there's there, then. And honestly, I've known a lot of people, and I think in Baptist life, who've said to themselves, well, I'd like to have a good time here, but I'm going to wait till I get there, because that's where the real party starts. So I think you, um, to look at this biblically, starting with Jesus is, uh, it's never a bad move. Um, 
And, and in this case, it's, it's... It's a bold statement. Yeah. <laughs> Will you allow it, Jordan? <laughs> it's already happened now. It's too late. <laughs> And in this case, it's it's maybe not just uh, uh, wise. It's it's pretty much necessary because um, we go most of the way through the Bible without very much talk of of heaven of yes. uh, beyond in in the terms that we've become maybe accustomed to it. Um, I, I was thinking on the way out here that uh, you know a lot of times we. We act as if the Bible is maybe more like of an encyclopedia than anything else. That in in the church we act as uh, that we have doctrines about certain things, and that oh, okay, I could just take the Bible and go look up the entry for hell or heaven, and uh, there there would be a nice you know two or three paragraphs right up that would tell me. Pretty much everything I need to know about it in in a very uh, concise, straightforward manner, and that's not what we have. We may act like that, but that is just not what is there in the Bible. The Bible is this collection of uh, of uh, different kinds of of literature, and the way that they talk about heaven is. Uh, is is not nearly as straightforward as we uh, have have acted as if it is. So I, I think it is it is more than fair to say that um, the totality of the Bible from that emerges a story of uh, what life under God's rule is like, and it's uh, that it's preferable. And that it does address all those shortcomings you mentioned earlier, Robbie. Um, and that is something that it's a place where our hearts should be. It's it's where our treasure is. It's it's right. uh, what what we are called to live into. But uh, a lot of the details that we have uh, imagined, just like last time we talked about a lot of our imagery of about hell, a lot of our imagery about heaven is is much more the result of. Um, popular uh, speculation yes yeah i i want to go back to what you're saying about the language of information you know that we approach the bible with the language in many ways it's the language of information like the encyclopedia we're going to look something up and find the conclusive answer on it Mm -hmm. and we lose so much in, in that approach not not just on this topic but just about any topic you want to name we lose we lose a lot in that, and uh, Eugene Peterson uh, in a little book called Answering God had uh, made I think one of the finest uh, distinctions about language and the way we approach the Bible. He said that there's the language of intimacy, and then there's the language of information, and then there was another category. But he said primarily just what you said that we typically go to the Bible looking for information. But he said what we lose in that is we lose our ability to use the language of intimacy mm-hmm. and that the Bible itself is an invitation to enter into this ongoing conversation. Mm-hmm. It's still going. Mm-hmm. And in the only appropriate language, he says, is the language of, of intimacy. Mm-hmm. And he, he goes on to say at the end of that, if, if any of us live long enough and are capable at near the end of our life that 
he calls it language one, the language of intimacy. He said that's the only language you'll use. Mm. Is when you're surrounded by the people you love and have spent your life with, that will not be information you're seeking. It will be uh, the ability to convey the strength of relationship, the love that you've had. Well, you know, I think that's right. I think maybe that's what's missing a lot of times in our approach to the Bible, and maybe that, that that's led to the impoverishment of soul in the church, is that we've forgotten the language of intimacy, that it's really an ongoing conversation, that we don't... You don't approach the Bible as though you're approaching an encyclopedia looking for the facts and the facts only. That's that's not faith. And I think that's really true with with the, with heaven. The idea of heaven is that we we end up doing that. We we want to know where is it? What does it look like? Well, there's streets of gold. You know that now. Come on. I mean, and you go well. Well, now wait a minute. It it could be maybe. It says that, true, but boy, think about this. What a powerful metaphor that is for for heaven. The thing we prize the most, they pave streets with. <laughs> I, I mean, put it in perspective, right? And, and so anyway, for whatever it's worth, you, you caused me to go down that road, Sam. I, I really do think there's this distinction that needs to be made in our use of language and the way we read and understand the Bible, especially along the lines of, of heaven. Uh, I think, um, Jordan, you probably didn't grow up like me and Sam and uh, Robbie did in that we were taught the Bible as the book of information. And if I want to know everything about their, when I want to know things about heaven, what's going to be there? Who's going to be there? Well, I. It's all in the book, right? It's all in the book. Will I be married to my first husband or my second husband or my fourth? I hope I don't have a fourth. But (laughs) anywho, uh, I mean, which one is it going to be? And I guess the burning question of all is, can I buy a stairway to there? I'm not really sure. Jordan, can you answer that question? (laughs) I heard a song about that once. Um, Yeah, so um, speaking of songs, I was thinking as we were starting this discussion, how many popular songs go with just that theory of like, well, I've read what it's going to be like, and the streets are going to be gold, and it's going to be, and it's certainly there in a faraway place when we yes. talk about the kingdom um there are two songs in the top 10 on the local christian station that deal with that concept one is called almost home um about that you know we're, right. we're almost there we just got to wait um chris tomlin had a popular song um going home where the streets are golden and you know lots of other stuff you know it's right one, one day it'll happen which is the name of another popular song that i heard on the radio and thought of you robbie because you always talk about the the kingdom of heaven and you know right. that jesus meant more than a faraway place that maybe we'll go to one day. Right. Um, yeah. One day when the kingdom comes right here where we stand, we will see the promised land one day, mm. one day, <laughs> one day. And I listened to that song and I thought, well, this is not, this is not the most hopeful message to me. The verses get into like, <laughs> you know, there won't be any, you know, nobody's going to have cancer and everything will be great. And I don't know. I'm not uh maybe I'm impatient, but I'm not a, I'm not a one day kind of person in terms of like things are bad now but one day they'll be better no i I get it i get it i think i think the good news jordan is that it's uh that the the appropriate way to deal with this is is to say already and not yet Hmm. that already that the things we talk about uh, that we often associate with heaven that already that's broken into our world into our uh, it's possible the possibility is here 
to, to experience a peace that passes all understanding, to know unconditional love, to know the mercy and grace of a, of a loving God. All of those things have already broken into our world, into our life. And, um, but I like, I wouldn't give up the not yet either because I think it also, it, it, it talks about anticipation. That that there's something more that, that I I I was thinking a moment ago of a funeral that I did. This would have been goodness. This would have been fifteen twenty years ago of a little of a couple that uh, they 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 were members here and they'd been married a long time and she got sick first and and she was she was going to die and, and they loved they loved both the the story of Revelation but they also loved some of the music around it and she told him. Before she died, she said, I tell you what, heaven's going to be a big place and I want to make sure and find you. So I want you to meet me at the Eastern Gate. And I'll tell you, I, I was with him near death and he told me that uh, he was going to make his way to the Eastern Gate and going to find her there. At the Eastern Gate, I'd be in trouble if somebody told me that because I don't know. <laughs> Can you tell me what what is restaurant by, to turn by? Is it by the new McDonald's or the older McDonald's? And Sam, Sam, you may you may be close enough to me, but you're not you're not there yet. But but there used to be a, a, a like a gospel song about the Eastern Gate. I remember that. You song. remember that? I remember that. And song. that was that was actually a song that was done at that funeral uh, for that reason. Mm-hmm. But it's just. You know, again, we bring with us all of this imagery, and we forget that the biblical writers were bringing with them the imagery they knew. Mm-hmm. Uh, the city they knew was Jerusalem. That was the most sacred place on earth. And so the descriptions we have and uh, the kind of the kind of thing that people sometimes want to use toward information or to literalize it, and forgetting that imagery plays an important part of this. The, the, the imagination, faith and imagination wed together, it still leaves open room to say, well, this is not an encyclopedia definition. We, that's not what the Bible gives us of heaven. It's, a, it, it's to get us thinking. To, mm-hmm. to And it's not a, uh, the Bible is also not a Rand McNally atlas that, that gives <laughs> a good. precise Geography. Of I'm too young for that reference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take you phone, can't use take maps. It, <laughs> there's no, there's no map on this one. <laughs> no Google map. Uh, and 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 you know we use metaphors uh, more than we think uh, we do. We don't even notice when we're using them because there's there's uh, so many times that we use directional metaphors. Right. Of like. Uh, you know, I was out of my mind or uh, I was feeling really down yesterday. You know, that, that all has to do with direction. And so we, we have, um, if, you, if you ask uh, in, a, in a Christian context, where, where do you think we're going? Um, that, that even presupposes a movement away from here, away from where we are. Right. Um, I like. Uh, how Rob Bell called it a theology of evacuation. Yeah, right. The, the idea that, um, so I'll, I won't break into this song, but uh, I'll I, go I'm, ahead. I'm a, this world is not my home. I'm only passing through. If heaven were not my home, good Lord, what would I do? <laughs> You know, that, that's, there you go. That, that's, Keep that's going. Melinda was getting a little teary there. Let's do this. 
That's great. This whole idea that um, what we have here is uh, not not just damage, not just um, not as it should be. It is something that is uh, ultimately uh, disposable. Right. And and what we really can hope for most of all is to be taken out of it. Right. And uh, you know, just like Rob Bell kind of shook things up. I guess that's probably been 10 years ago or so now with his uh, Love Wins book that, that questioned the, some of the uh, certainties that had developed around hell. Um, N.T. Wright, a little before that, had, had written Surprised by Hope, which kind of in, uh, inverted the, the direction that we normally use. I mean, he's not the first person to bring this up, obviously, but but popularized more the idea that, well, instead of the church leaving the world because the world is just no good and, and God's, it's just such a mess that God's done with it. If you actually look in the Bible, the biblical story is of, of heaven coming down to earth. Of exactly. This intersection of the, the New Jerusalem comes down to earth. And, uh, and, and, and the Old Testament language of that is that God's presence fills the earth like That's the right. waters cover the sea. And Jesus that, prayer, right? Thy kingdom yeah, come, come. Mm-hmm. thy right. will be done. Mm-hmm. And you're going like, how did we miss this? Mm-hmm. Right. How, how, and, 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 you know, you can say, well, maybe you just missed it again or, or, or okay, that's fine. But, but to have not even had the discussion for so long, uh, we just took as concrete fact that the story the Bible was telling was one about souls flying away to heaven Right. Uh, which is also not biblical, which is from Plato and not from the Bible. <laughs> That's right. Um, so that 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 really when we go back and try to be more biblical than we have been, I think the story is, is much more one uh, in which we are seeing God coming to us, doing what we can't do for ourselves, mm-hmm. but it's God uh, rescuing us here instead of trying to pull us out in, in a right. uh, retreat operation. That's good. I mean, I completely agree. I think God is about renewal and there's this replacement theology, you know, Bell calls it evacuation, but it's, it's based on this replacement theology. I think it's a false theology, but it's there. It's prevalent that, you know, God's just going to do away. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. So we don't need this one. Mm -hmm. And, and that's going to be somewhere else, obviously. When in reality, you, you follow that through and really look carefully at what Scripture is trying to teach. It's, it's more, about, more about renewal, the, the new heaven and the new earth, the new Jerusalem. There's a renewing that happens in, in that. And, and this would have been very much uh, understood in the Jewish culture, in Jewish theology, the, the idea that you have a covenant and then you, then you have a people who can't be true to the covenant, a God who... You know, is is wronged in that, and is going to just sometimes just walk away, but never does. Mm-hmm. A God who always finds a way uh, to to draw back uh, the people. There's this renewal that happens. There's a cycle, mm-hmm. and I think, uh, to be honest, I think with heaven, I think sometimes our idea. You mentioned Plato. I so agree that that, that Platonic idea, ideal. Is uh, has driven a lot of this. I think Hebrew, 
I think that the, the, the Hebrew theology also has something to do with this. Their, their understanding of the concept of, of the construct of the universe is you, there's the highest heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, that God's in the highest heaven that arches over. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, think, I think sometimes that has shaped the theological understanding of what heaven is because we think, in those terms still, even though most people would look at that today and go, well, that's an ancient understanding of the universe. We know the universe doesn't look like that. But theologically, I think it still shapes the understanding that God has to be up here, way out there somewhere. He's up in the sky, and that's where we're going to go one day. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's that's a thought that's occurred to me, though. So what do we do with Jesus' words uh, when he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you in my father's house, there are many rooms. What do we do with that? Is that talking about heaven? No, it's talking about a, 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 a Jewish marriage festival is what he's talking about. He's talking about a young groom or a groom-to-be mm-hmm. saying to his bride-to-be, you stay here, mm-hmm. you stay here, and I'm going to go to my father's house. And we're gonna add. We're gonna add on room because this this was the culture. This was the mm-hmm. tradition. This is the way it would have happened. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna. We're gonna. When we finish, when I finish doing this, I'm gonna come back, and, and I'm gonna receive you. I'm, and, and we're gonna go and we'll live there. Uh, it's beautiful imagery that he's yeah. giving his disciples. And and yeah, it's it's, it's obviously maybe he's not where they are. But I'm not sure it carries with it the connotation that we often use that it's way out there somewhere. He's using a metaphor, a beautiful marriage metaphor that says not even death is going to break the bond. Does that make sense? It does. And I'm glad you shared that just like that because I grew up with that story Mm -hmm. of, you know, Jesus is going to heaven to prepare a place for me and. I'm going to have a mansion. I'm going to have diamonds and all this great stuff, and I don't but, know that that's really what he was getting at. But he also, but he also uses that language of intimacy. Think about it. He, his father's—he's right. going to the father's house, and he's going to make sure there's room. And he's talking to the, these young guys that they would have gotten. They would have known this. Yes. They knew their tradition, and and yeah. uh, it would have made. I think it would have made sense. I would. I think it would have. It really probably spoke to them in a very intimate way. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to leave you comfortless. Right. There'll be another. Uh, all of this implies that that uh, even though Jesus' impending death is ahead of him, uh, they are not going to be abandoned, and there there is a place prepared. He's he's going to take care of them. So, so when you when you talk, Melinda, about uh, things that we learned as children, um, I I couldn't help but think of um, that week in um, oh, it was probably nineteen seventy four or so. It's a good when, year. Uh, I was two. Bye bye, Miss American Pie <laughs> came out that year, I believe. <laughs> Maybe not. I think it was early. I think it was seventy two. Uh, Maybe it's a little young. Could be. Jordan has no idea what <laughs> when they played it. When they played it for the first time in '72, it wasn't over 72. until '74. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. <laughs> Maybe right. You may be right. 
It is a fun. Some song. say the song is still going on. It is. It it is. is. It Depends is. on what channel you're listening to. This is true. So, Amer- American Pie is the revelation, the book of revelation of rock music. I mean, you, you, you gotta exactly. So that tied in nicely because you do. You gotta. There's visions. Yeah, there's, yeah. There's there's imagery in there. You gotta. You gotta. Fortunately, we, Don McLean has decoded it for us. Yes. But, uh, Unfortunately, John the Seer did not. No, no, <laughs> so, no. That's uh, right. So we don't we don't have the same uh, benefit there. Um, that that week in 1974, when um, I was a child, I believe we were having either spring or summer revival. One of those, uh, you know, I don't know, quarterly revivals we had, and um, a uh, evangelist had been on the PTL club. And had said, well, you know, it says nobody knows the day nor the hour of the Lord's return. That's true. But. But. <laughs> but I know. You might want to put your money on this Friday night. <laughs> the 22nd, you know. So I, re- I remember, you know, coming to church and, and hearing, you know, this... Uh, this is just what the kids talking about. This for the grown-ups talking about it, you know, like, yeah, you know, Jesus is coming back tonight, probably. <laughs> and what, what probably more than anything bothers me about that is that I'm sure my response and probably all of theirs too was, oh crap. <laughs> <laughs> Not tonight. Yeah, <laughs> there's things I gotta do and things I gotta get done. I, I was I was not that old. I was only uh, eight or so at the at this okay, never point, mind. at this juncture. Never so, mind. Uh, if you found Robbie, you might have got a <laughs> did they? Uh, he, he's, a, he's a few years older than me. Oh, why not tonight? Right? <laughs> right. That was that was the song. <laughs> and and I and and speaking as somebody who spent years. Um, uh, petrified every time a plane went over at night, you know, and made made the loud noise, um, and and various other scarring experiences. Um, it is really a failure of our thought and our imagination and our teaching and preaching that the coming of the Lord would be something we would be so resistant to, right? Um, and and. The day of the Lord in the Bible is, yes, there are warnings about judgment. There's warnings about being prepared. But there's the bigger message is that this is good news. God's going to straighten things out. You want to be in on this. You want to be part of this. You Mm -hmm. want to be ready when the Lord, when the King shows up to make things like it ought to be. You want to be there. You want to. You want to be ready for it, and just the fact that we we have we have transmitted a message that uh, uh, that is that is so packed with fear, and uh, you know I was just thinking that I heard somebody just today use the message. Yeah, we need to have a come to Jesus meeting about that. I was like, where come to Jesus meetings? Bad things, you know. <laughs> should be good things. That's right. You know. That's right. I agree with you. You know, you think about that. A lot of parents are using that nowadays. They'll say, oh, when I get home with my kid, we're going to talk, we're going to have a come to Jesus meeting about his grades or her whatever. Maybe we ought to stop that. Right? Yeah. Because yeah. it perpetuates yeah. this fear. The idea that there's fear and guilt. 
Yes. In the encounter. Anyway, that's a whole other segue. When the, great, topic when the for greater day. story is, is, as you said, Sam, like, there's a better story. There's a greater story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we suffer. We suffer. Uh, we suffer an impoverishment of imagination and faith. Mm-hmm. We all do it. We maybe it's the cult, the culture part of it. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe we haven't yet lived deeply enough into the. Uh, in, in, into the tradition in, of Scripture itself. Maybe we haven't recognized the metaphorical nature of all of language, that all language really is metaphor. And we've concretized things that we, because we, we want to be sure, we want to be certain. Mm-hmm. And we've done that with heaven when, you know, maybe there's a lot more to be said about heaven that hadn't been imagined yet. Maybe even from the metaphors that we've been given in Scripture, maybe with the right kind of imagination and insight and faith, there's there's still things to be uh, unfolded that, that we haven't seen yet. Maybe. Speaking of um, certainty, and this is a, I don't know where this is going to go, but I'm going to throw it out there to the table because y'all are all be fun. yeah yeah you, you like that throat clear before I start the mm-hmm. question. Y'all are all Baptists, right? More or less. Well, Some I, say I'm not, but <laughs> I don't think Robbie is. <laughs> yes, I am. Um, you at least are, historical. Yeah, you I'm at least are, are steeped in this Baptist tradition. Um, yes. And I grew up in a very different tradition, so I was always, as a kid, growing up in the in the Catholic Church, where there was this sense of like you. Um, I think Baptists would probably think like, "Oh, you guys think you can just work your way into heaven." That's the that's the the thing that's often tossed out because there's no, that's this not sense. True. No, um, that's a <laughs> depends on who you ask. Um, okay. There's but there is this sense that you there is some. I have to do some amount of things. Like there's a there's a minimum requirement I must meet to make it into heaven. So I'm not sure if that's going to happen for me, you know, I hope that it will. And, you know, we ought to, but the, uh, the Baptist understanding as I, as I hear it is this idea, um, once saved, always saved. Right. Um, that's the gospel had people, uh, when I was a teenager would ask me if I was saved and I wasn't sure how to answer the question because, um, I was a baptized (laughs) Christian, but that's uh, not really terminology that I would use. So I always wondered because when I hear that, I, maybe this is, um, maybe this, speaks to my own shortcomings <laughs> but i hear that and it's like well okay i get i get saved you know i come down the aisle and I, I get dunked and i profess jesus christ as my personal lord and savior um the abcs um as my wife calls it admit believe and commit i know she didn't make that up but that's uh, that's how right. she anyway i've done this so what's the point of the rest of it hmm. like why do i at that point in my life, like I've checked, I've checked the box. I'm mm-hmm. in the book. I'm going to mm-hmm. see, you know, Peter at the gates or whatever. And he's going to mm-hmm. let me in. Um, and maybe this speaks to what you were talking about, about replacement theology. Like, well, this world's not my home. So what, you know, what, yeah. what difference does it make? Does that, what do you think as people who are sort of steeped in this tradition, what do you think are the practical applications of that? How, well, you know, hmm. the once saved, always say <laughs> that was an argument that brewed, a long time in 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 seminary even you know it i guess if you could cut the book of hebrews out of the new testament you could you'd, you'd be all right uh on that but y'all like so there's more books, than right? there's more than uh, 
there's more than there's more than one view is what I'm trying to get at. And the other, I think in my own life, there's been a bit of an evolution of of faith and understanding here. Uh, I, you know, even in coming, whatever it means to come to Christ, uh, for me, I see that more as an embrace at this stage of my life that I, I believe God has already in, embraced all of us. I don't mean just church folk. I think God embraces all of us. I think faith is embracing, leaning into that embrace and embracing back. And I don't know that conversion, we speak of conversion with such certainty and singularity. Maybe conversion happens again and again and again. I know that's, I know, I know that's Pandora's box and I'm not trying to speak with uh, a sense of certainty here or conclusion with it but i think that you can call it epiphanies you could call it conversions you could call it insight drawings prompting i don't care what you call it there are moments again and again in life where i'm reminded of the great mystery of the great presence of something beyond um, the ordinary there's something, and and then and then there are even those moments deeper than that where I recognize that the ordinary isn't so ordinary after all. That it's in the ordinary the mystery resides. I don't know how to say all that. I think there's something more, and I think that those are moments when I'm more open, I'm more at home uh, with myself, with the world, certainly with God. So. I don't, I don't. I don't. They didn't answer your question, Jordan. But I, I wasn't going to say anything. It, but, didn't, you know. it didn't. It didn't answer your question. I don't. You know. I'm. I'm. But I'm not cut from that cloth of, of, uh, where it has to be such a uh, ritual. I think people come to Christ in a lot of different ways. I think Paul got blinded by a light. I think uh, others came to Christ. Through the study of scripture, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how people, but I think there are a variety of ways people come to Christ. I read a quote last week that's kind of remained with me by Carl Barth, and I know I, I read a little bit about him in school, but didn't really ho- understand a whole lot of him. Sorry, Robbie, <laughs> but uh, he said someone asked him one time when was he saved, and he said in thirty three A.D. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Maybe I should have paid a little bit better attention to the dude. Man, that sounds pretty. That's not how I grew up. You had, no. okay, I was 13 years old and I was at Revival and at 7.02, whatever p.m., I walked the aisle and was baptized. We have those stories in evangelicalism. Exactly. And, um, I don't, and there's nothing wrong with those stories. I think they're good. But it's also something to be able to say, yeah, the work for me was done in 33 AD. And yeah, so if you didn't walk the Roman road, or if you didn't say uh, a particular prayer, it's, it's a form of reductionism. We've reduced the great love and grace of God. Uh, to a particular formula or a road, <laughs> mm-hmm. we're gonna you're gonna follow this Roman road pattern, and that's the only way. Well, that's not even biblical. 
the biblical experience, people came to Jesus in very in many different ways from many different circumstances. So uh, I heard Callisto swear uh, say uh, to that question uh, that he didn't know how to answer it when he was when he was asked, mm-hmm. and uh, as like Jordan didn't. And uh, there's a lot of questions I don't know how to answer. <laughs> and, uh, and me too. And uh, he said, uh, "Well, I am in, in hope. I am." being saved, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. which is Mm -hmm. a little different slant on it. Mm -hmm. Um, your your question, Jordan is, is almost identical to one that, uh, N.T. Wright poses, uh, at the beginning of his book after you believe, which, which says, you know, takes the, takes the case of a, of a young person who, who, uh, converts to Christianity and, and has, okay, now what, what, what is the, you're telling me there's a shore over there that I'm going to get to someday, and that's great, and that's wonderful, but what about this intervening time? And um, he, I think the best way I heard, I heard this answered was, um, was he talked, Tom Wright talked about, he got a question from, from an audience member who said, uh, well, let's say I've, I've got a, I got a car, and it's been it's been in a wreck. It, it got damaged, and I'm going to. Uh, I know that in two weeks, the insurance company is is going to to get it fixed for me, and they're going to repair it. You know, I don't have the money to repair it, but they're going to repair it, and it's going to be going to be brand new uh, looking. So why should I bother washing it now? And why should I bother doing anything to it in the meantime? And uh, you know, I would say that, you know, much as I love metaphor and analogies, not all analogies and metaphors are, are sound ones. They don't mm-hmm. necessarily fit the, 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 right. the, mm-hmm. the, the uh, situation. And in this one, I think he, he kind of already answered it of, well, it, it, he presumed in a thing, in a sense that it doesn't matter. And so Wright said, no, a better analogy is, is one of uh, a cathedral that you have a um, uh, worker uh, in they're they're not the architect of the cathedral, they don't they don't design it, and you know what they won't even be there to see it completed, but they're given a um, portion of it to work on. You know whether it's a right. it's a stone to cut and polish, or whether it's to to do some woodwork or whatever it is, and um, in faith and hope they do the work that they have been given on this much grander thing that they can't see, maybe can't even imagine. And I think that's more what our answer should be, mm-hmm. is that um, to, to go questing for a, a uh, I need to know that everything I do leads to some definitive outcome or, or reward or crown, um, I think is is the wrong feeling. I think I think we should hopefully be more content with knowing that God called us to do something, some work, and that in gratitude for uh, us being in His family, we are we're, we're want to be happy to do it. Right. Uh, even if we're not always happy, we'll, we'll we'll keep at it. You ask, what is the incentive? I don't know that there is one. I mean, just to be honest. I, because this whole thing can be complete make-believe, right? And on our best days, we believe it. On our mm-hmm. worst days, we don't believe any of it. So what real incentive is there? Well, 
not really anything, really. And so why would we choose right? Because I think that's its own reward is knowing that I can close my eyes at night, knowing I did the best that I could. I made good decisions for today. I chose right instead of wrong, whatever it is. And as I make those right decisions and make those right choices, whatever I didn't feel before will eventually match up to what I'm doing. It's just stepping out in faith and doing the next right thing anyway. And that's hard, but it is its own reward too. And hopefully we get to a point where this brings me joy and uh, peace, knowing that I'm obeying a God who really does love me, Mm -hmm. who's telling me there is incentive to this. So keep doing it anyway. Yeah, and and I think that's that's very good that you mentioned uh, incentives and rewards because I think our our image of heaven can really say a lot about um, our motivations mm-hmm. and about what you know what we find rewarding tells tells you a lot about us and um, it, it's probably I don't know ten or fifteen years ago now my lovely wife Dawn one day said. I wonder what kind of jobs we'll have in heaven. <laughs> and I was jobs. jobs. Is she crazy? <laughs> and She's it, not raising her retirement. That the, yeah, isn't the whole purpose of going to heaven that you don't have to work? <laughs> and and, uh, and I was, that got me thinking because I, I had never heard anybody bring up that that notion. And um, and I remember she she said it at dinner, or we were talking about it at dinner with some friends, and and I remember the late lady that we were with saying, "I just I just want to float on a cloud. I just want to lay on a cloud and rest." <laughs> and uh, you quoted me correctly. Don, <laughs> Don, is that is that Lutheran background oh, coming yeah, through? Uh, location. <laughs> hey, there will be no resting. <laughs> Last week. That might be their Calvinist background, too. <laughs> yeah. um, but but uh, it, it has really, and then I discovered you know, that Tom Wright does talk about that quite a bit. That um, and, and it gets back to that, that whole question that sometimes people will say, well, what, are you going to get bored of heaven? I mean, I don't think I like singing that much that, that uh, you right. know, I'm just going to. And, and I think that does go to show how we, you know, the, the impoverishment of our imaginations mm. that, yeah, streets of gold, uh, choirs of angels, that, that, that is a suggestion. That's a hint of, of something beyond us. But a, if, if we believe that, that God knew what he was doing when he created an earth and put people in it to tend it, to till that garden... Why would we think that that's not part of of what we're really meant to be and and where we really would flourish is that we're we are tending, but we do it right. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. You know, Barbara Brown Taylor, when she left the church, she she had a book entitled Leaving Church. It didn't mean she was abandoning church. It meant she would no longer be an Episcopal priest, uh, active priest. She wrote her next book was An Altar in the World. Yeah. where she discovered that in her way of thinking, she had confined the sacred to a building. And she discovered that the whole world is an altar mm-hmm. <laughs> and that our responsibility in it is part of the good grace of God that we get to participate. 
uh, in that world. I, I, I love the, the idea and imagery of that. Uh, a couple of things, Jordan, too. I wanted to, Kierkegaard, you mentioned, I don't, so Surin Kierkegaard, uh, when someone asked him uh, more than once, are you a Christian? He would never, he would never give the affirmative. Uh, I'm, I am trying to become one. I am trying because he took so seriously Jesus' teaching. I think he saw the disconnect probably in his own life with what Jesus was teaching. He saw the cha- at least he saw the challenge of that. So this once saved, always saved, and and entering into something. I think we we too often lose sight of the fact that. We, for well, for one, we don't come from a background where the rabbinic tradition is something we're real familiar with, but we really are called to be disciples, which means to do it the way he did it, to tr- do our best to follow that way. That we, there is a way, and that he's. I, I think we probably do take that too lightly, and if heaven, you know, I think heaven does break in. To this reality, but I think that's visible when we're trying to follow Him best. I don't know if that makes sense. It does. Yeah, I um, <clears throat> just uh, since I threw out my you know critique of of Baptist theology there, I guess I'll, I'll mention that I think there's kind of an equal and opposite problem in the Catholic tradition that I grew up in, and it's the it's the same basic premise. It's you talked about it being sort of reductionist. It's this idea that we can make it transactional. There's a series of steps that I can perform that assures me salvation, which, you know, even if you say like, well, there is no, you know, we're, we're all saved by grace. There's still this sense of like, but I need to make sure I check these specific (laughs) boxes. Um, And which also leads to the, you know, what do you do with people who, for whatever reason, don't, check those boxes because of mm-hmm. their circumstance or where they were born or any right, of those things. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I agree. I think that's the wrong way to look at it. That, that we ought to, there ought to be joy and sort of tending to this work to, you know, working on our part of the cathedral or whatever the thing is, because we, we are sort of made, to do this, if we yeah. believe that there's a God who made us in, right. in His image and put us here for a purpose, that you know, if we can find that purpose, there must be some fulfillment in that. Because mm-hmm. right. if there's a loving God who did that, He presumably wants good things for us. Um, and to get to be a part of something that's so uh, much larger than we are individually, that you, going back to the architecture of a cathedral that Sam brought up, to feel like you get to be a part of that. And, and it not only connect it, it really kind of connects you to others. Uh, it really connects us to each other, but it also connects us to eternity in the sense that it goes out beyond. It, it connects what's gone before and what will come uh, after my time of of, uh, of of working in that cathedral. That somehow it, in some way, it again collapses in on each other. On, on, so that the ages aren't as as separate as we often try to make them. That somehow there's there's a connection mm-hmm. there, and to be able to work in that cathedral and do one's own uh, work, uh, I think that is where the joy is. And understanding maybe it's not maybe it's not every day, and maybe it's not. But when you maybe it's a moment when you take a break 
and you're standing there and you're looking at the cathedral and not just at what you're doing in the cathedral. And you're suddenly awed at the expanse of this, at the amazement of being a part of something so grand that that's when suddenly I think eternity becomes so real to me. Mm-hmm. It's like when one of your grown children, something that maybe you've spent a lot of years trying to implant in their hearts about something good and right, and you see them as an adult, you have a conversation with them and something comes out of them and you go, yes, that's what I've spent your whole life trying to get across to you in some lesson or some shape, form or fashion. And it may just be a tiny nugget and they may go back to being an idiot in the next breath. But just for that one breath, you're like, yes, (laughs) this is what I have cried over and labored over and prayed for your whole life that you would have this moment. And I, I think that's good incentive. (laughs) Right. Well, and I think that kind of, um, like you said, awe that we would see at the cathedral or, or even those, those moments when you sense that, well, something bigger Mm -hmm. has come out of this. Um, that isn't transactional. It it somehow defies transaction. And, And I don't quite know how it does, but it, but it's not something that you can really just make an exchange for. And, um, I'm, I'm reminded of, um, I can't remember if it was Bart Ehrman, but he was, it was a professor who had some Orthodox Jews speaking to his uh, religious studies class, uh, intro class, and they were asking him about their beliefs and how it's similar and different, and it came across that these particular Orthodox Jews, which not like not all Orthodox Jews have this belief, but, but these did, uh, that there is no afterlife. This is it. Uh, which shocks a lot of Christians to hear mm-hmm. that any Jews believe that, but mm-hmm. if you read mm-hmm. the Old Testament, you might see why they wouldn't <laughs> believe that. But uh, uh, it he said his his students were just stunned. They they because they, because pr- I guess pr- prior to that they had been talking about some of the disciplines that they live out and the and the obligations that they have and they just could not fathom why somebody would do all that stuff if they didn't have heaven waiting at the end of the line mm-hmm. to make it all worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And now that's transactional, mm-hmm. right? And they said, you know, he said that they told them it's like well you know it's god that's we're, we're supposed to serve god that's that's enough and i think that question of what is enough for you is a real important one and it and it can be a real probing one of well just exactly what do you need to get out of god in order to serve mm. and um yeah i think there's plenty of things to be grateful for um, without some of the things that we have, we have put out as maybe have treated as our must have and our um, mandatory minimums before we would really serve God. To love God for God's own sake, right? Mm-hmm. That's, is, that's is bold. The heart. Is bold. It's, it is. It's, Yeah. Um, want to sort of transition to this may end up being a regular segment on the show, but I'll uh, toss out my um, on the spot question for everybody. Um, so I'll try to qualify as much as I can to the extent that we do 
believe that there is something beyond this life that we live, something that involves being in the presence of God. If you were last last time, I, I think I phrased it as the the president of theology for the world, and you could decree um, a, a belief. Would be the Pope of theology. <laughs> <laughs> We're seeing what you're doing. There. Yeah, yeah. Um, we caught on to you. That's right. <laughs> Feels like profiling, but <laughs> yeah. So, if to the extent that you know, we'll we'll allow for that. What is something that you can say with, if not certainty, then confidence about this thing that, for lack of a better word, we'll call heaven? If somebody was to ask you, what can you tell me with? with confidence about heaven what would you what would you say it's already here the beauty is everywhere and it's not to negate the darkness or the evil or the struggle but there is beauty everywhere and i don't know i think of late the word that i keep being reminded of is just to awaken to the presence, to the mystery, to the beauty that's here, that heaven is here. It's not something you just wait to enter. We've already been invited to enter. And you can stand out on the porch and listen to the music and the dancing and the party uh, your whole life. Or you can go in. And I don't know. I've I've been on the porch and I've been in. And I've I, I just... I, I, it saddens me to think that there's this this way of thinking that prevents, I think, really good people who want to love God and would love to go into the party, and but they don't have this framework of understanding to know how to do it. They don't think they've earned it, that they deserve it, that they would be accepted in there, and so they got to wait. And I, I just think heaven is here. I mean, I think it's, and I'm not negating I, out there, but I just think, anyway, for me, I'm living in a day and an age where I want to be awake to the to the to, to the beauty and the grace and the mystery that that's in front of me pretty much every day, every moment, and I'm usually not awake enough to see it. This may be my place in the world. I'm a, I'm a five on the Enneagram after all, but this is um, a lot less poetic and maybe a little more um, philosophical, whatever you want to call it. But I think that for one, I think that any, we lose sight of, you know, we talk about streets of gold and all this stuff. We, um, Ravi and Sam, you both use the phrase failure of imagination. And that I think is going to always be true of our talk about, you know, if we're talking about the presence mm-hmm. of God, by right. almost by definition, we can't, we don't have words or even thoughts or capacity to imagine this. So anything we say is always just going to be, you know, our best attempt at a metaphor that's going to fall short because we don't, we're not equipped for that. Um, I that's also right. think that the, um, the talk about, you know, what are we going to do all day? in heaven is is sort of broadly missing the point because I think um, I don't have any scripture reference for this or anything, but uh, I guess because I'm Catholic, we don't read the Bible. Um, <laughs> I got, yeah, that's, that's your last one for this, for this episode. Um, 
but I think that the whole idea of time is, it seems to me, would have to be something that doesn't matter if we're talking about... Uh, to me, the whole idea of eternity just means a place outside of the idea of time, which is falls into that failure of imagination because we're experiencing time passing all the time. But I don't think that that is necessarily true. I mean, you can look at some some real weird physics stuff that people do where they you mm-hmm. know time is not necessarily right. objective and i think to me that if we say that you know god is eternal it just means existing outside of time so that's something that i wrestle with a lot trying to comprehend that but that's that's the thing that i'll say with confidence about about heaven i think what do we do all day is a it's kind of a nonsensical question that's that's good i like that i i wanted when you mentioned about god uh, you, you know, we don't even have the language for it. Mm. You you have to, you have to sing your way into it. You have to, you, you, you have to pray your way. You have to use poetry. You 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 can't you can't talk about God in concrete language. There's no way to do that. And so to understand heaven that way, to try to literalize that concept to 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 a fact of this is what you're going to do all day. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> it's just to miss the point. I think. It cheapens I've, the whole idea. It cheapens yeah. the whole idea. Yeah, yeah, you lose so much in that. You, you just you, you lose too much of it. Um, if you had asked me 20 years ago what I believed about heaven and what I was certain of, I could have given you a whole podcast just by myself. Today, I have no clue. I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know where we go when we die. I don't. I I know that the kingdom of heaven is here. That's a relatively new concept for me. Uh, So I'm still wrestling with that and haven't really gotten back to reworking how I had such certainty about heaven after I die. I'll come back to you later. What if the kingdom is so expanse and and glorious? I I don't know the language to use, but what if it's that here can't contain all of it? It's just a thought. I don't know. But what if here just can't contain all of it? Maybe there's, it's here. I have a point. But maybe here can't contain all of that. So I'm trying to avoid that thing of doing the, that I'm only certain I'm uncertain. Because uh, I, I do that a lot. That's why, so, why I added the word confident yeah, instead confident, of certain. Okay. So so what I, what I would be confident about is that um, there's change involved. There's transformation. And um, I th- what two of the things that make me think of that, one, one would be that, uh, you know, just, just like, we, like you were talking about time, um, the normal categories of our perceptions, you know, aren't, just don't go far enough. They just don't. Our brains just don't, uh, you know, process the type of uh, differences that we're talking about. So, so whatever we've uh, used as as uh, to imagine, I think it's would be fair to say that there has to be some um, uh, definite leveling up <laughs> to, to be able to to get it more right. And then the other thing is when I, when I think of how we, what we believe, uh, how the differences in us, 
I mean, you know, a lot, a lot of times we talk about heaven as, as if it's, uh, and probably particularly if you have a near-death experience and you then come back and write a book about how you went there, uh, it just sounds like you, as you are, took a tour, you know, and, and but um, if, if we take seriously the, the ideas about people living in God's presence and not sinning, you know, I don't know about you, but when I start thinking of the radical amount of rewiring that would have to be done to get me into anything close to being not sinning, uh, that's that's an overhaul. <laughs> so, uh, so it, I, I just I would I'm confident that that our uh, there's there's transformation involved. I think the good thing is it starts now. Is it isn't right. something that you just coast and then wait on later. I think it does start now and, and that uh, hopefully we can uh, be attracted to it. We should we yeah. should be wanting to lean into that and, and, and get as much of it, get as much of heaven into this life as we can. I think so. I think I think we I think we are that people of faith I think we're we're to be people of possibility. And I don't mean it in a I don't mean it in uh, just the power of positive thinking. I'm talking about. I think possibility implies that the door is 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 cracked open, that there's a possibility of of more. We live in a very cynical time. We we live in a time where, on the surface, people go, "Well, it is what it is, and that's what it's going to be." I think people of faith. And I think this topic, heaven, also. I mean, I, th- I think how can we not be people of possibility if we follow a, if we follow the story of a, of a man who died on a cross and was raised by God's power to a life after that, and you know whether you interpret that, and no matter how you interpret that. You still got to admit that's that's the language of possibility, <laughs> and it seems to me that we sometimes forget that we are people of possibility. That we we are people who believe in the possible, that the not yet uh, that you mentioned earlier. That yeah, we we live here and now, but who knows what God will yet do. Isn't that the isn't that the story, the biblical story? Who knows what people cried out in oppression and God heard their cry. Hmm. Now there lies possibility. That's the story of our lives, I think. I think that's a good note for us to go out on. Um I hope that if you are listening, that this um even if this has raised more questions than it has answered, that that is um that it's been encouraging, that it's been hopeful, and that um, maybe we all can lean in to the mystery and the possibility this week. Thank you for listening. Um, thank you guys for talking. Um, we'll be back next time. Thank you.